The following audio is from LaGrange Church of Christ, located in Texas. For more information about LaGrange Church of Christ, please visit our website at www.lagrangecoc.com. Well, grace and peace to you this morning. It is a, a wonderful day to gather together and to worship God, and we're thankful that you're here. Um, we're thankful for your donations to help with school supplies. Uh, there's lots of things that go on behind the scenes that you may not be aware of, but there are people being helped um, because of those donations, and, and we appreciate um, that this morning. I'm going to get a screen going here. And uh, I want to tell you about a, another event as that's, that's coming onto the screen um, uh, August 29th, our marriage seminar. And so Justin and Jennifer Gerhart are going to be with us from the Round Rock Church of Christ. And that's going to be a fantastic event. Uh, whether you're uh, newly married or you've been married 40, 50 years, um, it, it will be, you'll be blessed by that. And so um, if you want to attend that, and we hope that you do, please sign up in the back because we're going to be providing child care and providing lunch. And we need to know who is all going to show up for that. The, the Bible is the most magnificent book that humanity has ever known. It is a book of books, and it contains documents written by many different authors over a period of hundreds of years. And yet, it is one long story. Although the books of the Bible were written by different people at different times, they are all connected in some way. And so, as we look at the Bible, what we can do is we can focus on one little section of it, or we can step back and we can look at the whole. It's like a giant patchwork quilt. And God takes these very distinctive lives and very distinctive stories and he makes something beautiful. Now, it was difficult for some of these individuals to know where the story was going when it was happening to them. But later, when these stories were written down, it was plain that God had a plan. Sometimes a person may look at a piece of cloth and think that it has no place. But the master quilter knows right where to put it. This is why it's important not only to look at a passage in its context, but also to look at it in light of the entire Bible. There are some passages that are very important, but they almost seem incomplete. The first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis set the stage for everything else that will follow. And the first thing that happens is the Spirit of God hovers over the earth that is dark and without form. Now, it's important to know that the words spirits, um, wind and breath, th those three words, are just one word in Hebrew and Greek. And so, you use the same word for all three. And, and in Scripture, wind and breath become a metaphor for spirit. We especially see this in the Gospel of John when Jesus breathes on his disciples. Now, if he were to breathe on them and that was it, then that would be kind of strange. But this foreshadows the coming of the Holy Spirit. 
In Genesis 1-2, the Holy Spirit hovers over the formless darkness that will become earth. This great wind of God rushes over the chaos and brings about order. And this is the first thing that happens in the Bible. Now from that point, creation continues. And in just six days, God creates all there is. And on the seventh day, he rests. In chapter 3, sin enters the world. Adam and Eve listen to the serpent rather than listen to God. They eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what was perfect is now corrupted by sin. Death, disease, pain, thorns, and thistles are introduced into the world. And Adam and Eve are banished from the garden. And things only go downhill from there. Cain murders his brother Abel. Eventually it gets so bad that God decides to destroy the world in chapter 6. But there's still hope because there's one man who has found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And that is Noah. And so God saves Noah and his family from the flood. And that brings us to chapter 10, the most overlooked chapter in the beginning of Genesis. Why is it overlooked? Well, it is a genealogy, but that's not all. It's a list of nations. It does not take the, the people of the earth long to branch out and to start civilizations. And Genesis 10 gives us an idea of just how diverse the earth was early on. But that's not the only reason it is in our Bibles. Because this list of nations in chapter 10 sets up the story that's about to happen in chapter 11. And what happens when all the nations come together and they try to make a name for themselves. Well, that is the story of Babel. And we know what happens. God scatters them by confusing their language. And now they are truly diverse. They are unable to communicate. They, they cannot understand one another. That's what happens in the first 11 chapters of Genesis. And those first 11 chapters serve as an introduction to everything else in the Bible. Uh, chapter 12 in Genesis begins something new. It begins the story of Abraham. It's a story about the beginning of Israel. Now, I know what you're probably wondering. I thought that we were supposed to be in the book of Acts. Uh, and you're right. That's where we're supposed to be. Um, but we need to be reminded of what happens in the beginning of Genesis to fully understand what happens at the beginning of Acts chapter 2. And now we want to look at that this morning. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And, this, and at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. 
And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. We can look at Genesis 1 through 11 by itself, but it's obviously incomplete. There's something lacking. It ends with sin and confusion. And that's not a way to end a story, especially when God is involved. Sin and confusion is not what God wants for the world. It's not what he wants for humanity. There must be something more. Many of us grew up listening to Paul Harvey on the radio. And for many years, his program was the most listened to program on radio. And Paul Harvey had a way of finding interesting stories and connecting with listeners like few other radio personalities could. And he was famous for his phrase, the rest of the story. Genesis 1 through 11 is part of the story. And Acts chapter 2 is the rest of the story. There are several parallels between these two important passages. Genesis 1 begins with the Spirit of God hovering over this watery abyss. Acts 2 begins with a mighty rushing wind that we later learn is the Holy Spirit. This Spirit takes the chaotic matter in the beginning and brings about order. And the same is true in Acts chapter 2. It was a chaotic scene where there was no understanding. But because of the power of the Holy Spirit, people are able to understand what they once were not. In Genesis chapter 10, you have the table of nations listed. Luke gives us a very similar list in Acts chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. The passage in Genesis concludes with the confusion of the languages. And Acts chapter 2 is the reversal of this curse. Language is no longer a barrier and everyone is able to understand in their own tongue. And so God turns their world upside down. By tearing down the walls that once divided. And this is a practice that will be continued by the early church. The early church will not create Jewish churches and Gentile churches. But instead, Jews and Gentiles will worship together. A rather remarkable thing. And this was not easy. There were a lot of problems because of this. There were a lot of problems that they had to overcome. People from different cultures don't always do things the same. They don't always see eye to eye. It was difficult, but it was the right thing to do. The easy way is not always the right way. 
And sometimes God asks us to do things which are hard. Sometimes he asks us to go where we don't want to go and do what we don't want to do. And what Jesus asks us to do is challenging. But whatever he asks us is always right. Sadly, we have not always followed this example. There were times in this country where we were happy to have white churches and black churches. It didn't bother us a bit to have white schools and black schools. And I'm not just talking about public schools. I'm talking about our Christian schools as well. They were just as segregated as our public schools. And even today, in 2015, Sunday is the most segregated day of the week. We're pretty special here in LaGrange, but we can't say that of all churches. You don't have to drive very far to find towns where they still have white churches and black churches. And many of the churches in large cities do not reflect the population of the entire city. But instead, they reflect the areas in which they are located. And so you'll find black churches and white churches and Hispanic churches and Asian churches. You'll find poor churches and rich churches. And we have a natural tendency to divide. We like to be around people who are like us. And we're leery of people who are different. It's not easy to unite people of different cultures and different races. But it's the right thing to do. If our faith in Jesus is not stronger than the things that divide us, then we really don't know what it means to be a Christian. If we allow skin color or cultural difference or whatever to stand between us, then we're not following in the footsteps of Jesus. And this principle is central to the Christian faith. It was preached by Paul in Galatians 3 and verse 28 where he wrote, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And so the message of the Christian faith is that we are all one in Christ Jesus. And one of the worst things that we can do is divide the body of Christ. Maintaining relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ is a necessity. It's so serious that Jesus says, if you cannot forgive others, then God's not going to forgive you. And so we have a responsibility to one another. And when we truly understand how far God went to have a relationship with us, then we're going to begin to treat one another appropriately. Our relationship with one another is so important that Jesus says that we're to take care of it before we offer our sacrifice to the Lord. He says this in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 23 and 24. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Now we no longer have animal sacrifices. But the New Testament talks about other sacrifices. Our giving, our singing is described as sacrifices that we make to God. 
And if we have a broken relationship with someone, then it needs to be taken care of immediately. We need to take care of it before we come to worship on Sunday, Jesus says. And it's interesting that that Jesus has not placed the burden on the one who is offended. If you know that someone has something against you, then you're not supposed to wait until they get around to approaching you. You're supposed to go to them now. Take care of it. That's how important it is. If we do not like diversity, then we will not like heaven. Because when John gives us a glimpse of what heaven is like in the book of Revelation, he describes a crowd of people from different countries and different continents. He says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. The things that once divided will not stand in our way in heaven. Borders will not matter. Language will not be an issue. Different customs and and cultures will not stand in our way. Why? Because we will be before the Lamb, and that is all that will matter. Acts 2 is not only the rest of the story to Genesis 1 through 11. It also looks forward to the return of Jesus when all things will be made right and there will be nothing that will divide. We know that we still live in a fallen world where where sin continues to destroy relationships. We know there is much division and turmoil all around us. We see brokenness in families. We see it in our workplaces. We see it in our neighborhoods. And we see it so much that we might think that there's nothing that we can do. We might think that we cannot make a difference. But we would be wrong. Because Jesus has called us to be peacemakers. He has called us to work towards his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is our mission. This is our calling. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles and they miraculously spoke in languages and everyone could understand. Unity was achieved on that day by a miracle. Uh, we, We don't have the Holy Spirit in that same capacity as the apostles did. But God is still with us. And our mission is still the same. We are to unite people around Jesus. Now, if we try to unite them around anything else, it's going to fail. We are to lift up Jesus, and he will draw everyone to himself. He is the great uniter. And so this means if we want to be peacemakers, we will pray that the people we meet, will see less of us and more of Jesus. If we want to be true peacemakers, then we will strive to walk in the footsteps of our Lord and Savior each and every day. Let's pray.
Father, we come before you this morning, and we thank you for the opportunity to, to gather in this place to worship you and to praise you and to acknowledge everything that you have done for us. At the same time, Father, we're aware of the sin and brokenness that we encounter in this world every day. And we know that you have given us a great responsibility. You have called us to bring healing to this brokenness. You've called us to mend division and to help fix what is wrong with the world. Be with us as we strive to do your will in our community, in our homes, in our neighborhoods. May people see Jesus living in us. We're so thankful for his example and his sacrifice. We pray this in his name. Amen.